Reading our Bibles regularly can be a challenge, but we're all on this journey together. We're praying that this podcast inspires you, helps you better understand God's Word, and builds your faith. This is Join the Journey with your host, Emma Daughter. Thanks for joining. This is a bonus episode covering the Book of Ruth, and I am in the podcast studio with a faithful Watermark staff member, pretty new staff member, Kimberly McNeese. Yes. Hey, Emma. Did I get your last name right? Yes, you crushed it. That okay. was perfect. Okay, I was practicing. Um, Kimberly, tell us a little bit about you. What do you do at Watermark? Yes, so I am the financial controller, so I'm an accountant. That goes way over my head. <laughs> you know, it, uh, yeah, control in the title always sounds fun. But no, I'm, I'm on the finance team, which means we're just helping uh, behind the scenes to make sure finances are furthering the kingdom. I love it. It's an important job. Uh, today we are in Ruth, which is maybe a little confusing if you've been tracking along with the reading plan. Ruth is not on the adults plan. It is, however, on the junior reading plan for the kiddos, primarily because a lot of judges isn't super appropriate for young children. So we thought, hey, let's give them Ruth. It happens actually at the same time. So chronologically, this story is unfolding while Israel is in turmoil during the period of the judges. And people, they've got some assumptions they make about this book. Kimberly, I'm going to let you address what is the primary mistake you see people make when studying Ruth? Yeah, well, I I think this is kind of coined in youth group as the like single girl gets a guy, there's a wedding, but there's like the scandalous threshing floor scene in the middle. And then it just... I don't, I don't know if a lot of men think that they can relate to the book of or Ruth. Or if they read it. Or if no. they, yeah, I mean. I don't it, know. <laughs> I, I hope they do. Yeah, I mean, surely. Only four chapters, they pack a punch. But yeah, I, I think it's just kind of the, uh, it's it's a romance in the Bible, which is a little bit rare. And so I think that kind of overarches what is actually the Lord unfolding this really strategic plot with like righteousness and great characters and uh, mm-hmm. a lot of redemption. I love it. So overall, it's, as you said, four chapters, which we can outline as grief, chapter one, courtship, chapter two, engagement, three, and wedding, chapter four. And so if we just start here at the beginning, chapter one, outlined as grief, um, what what stands out to you in chapter one, Kimberly? What's going on here? Yeah, so it's interesting. The book begins with Naomi, and it actually ends with her. So which is kind of funny. You think the whole point of this story is going to be about Ruth. That's what it's titled. But actually, I think there's an underlying theme of redemption for Naomi Hmm. through Ruth. Because if we're really looking at this, she's the one that's gone through the greatest loss. She doesn't have a husband. She now doesn't have her sons. And then she has two Moabite daughter-in-laws. And and what's she to do leaving Hmm. this family Mm -hmm. um, that now finds themselves without male protectors, male provision, and in a famine? Hmm. And so she's, she's troubled. And Something stood out to you about how she's discipled Ruth or or the impact she's had on Ruth. What speak to that for a second? Yeah. So I, I think, you know, the first chapter there is there's a lot of bitterness. She's even saying, you know, you know, don't call me Naomi. That means sweet, call me Mara. So I, I think we can kind of focus in on Naomi when she's in this deep season of discouragement and actually miss the fact that, okay, this was a woman that walked in astounding discipleship if literally this, this young woman who's going to leave the land she's known, leave her family, does not have a husband, does not have a father-in-law, right? She's observing a woman who, following God, has lost seemingly everything. 
And you would think that might discourage someone from following that kind of God that sure. would, you know, that would take away these things. But you actually see Ruth clinging to Naomi and and saying this covenant declaration of like, no, no matter what, I'm going to stick with you mm-hmm. and your God's going to be my God. And so I don't think for all of these 10 years while uh, Ruth is living with Naomi and they're, re- they're related, that you would find yourself in that level of loss and want to follow this person and leave everything if they probably hadn't been saying and showing you wonderful things about the God you were mm. you were going to follow. That's that's interesting to think about that Ruth, despite all of the devastation Naomi was walking through, chose to stick with her and return to her people and, and make her, what's the line? I want to say it right. Your God will be my God. Mm-hmm. And make your people my people, your God, my God, chapter 1, verse 16. So Ruth goes with her, and we move into chapter 2, and it's there that we meet Boaz, who, as it turns out, is a, a eligible bachelor for Ruth based off of the ways the laws surrounding the death of a husband would play out. He was related, which in this context was a good thing, mm-hmm. Um Speak to Boaz's character. What do you see in him? Yeah, so I, I think in, in chapter two, you're seeing Ruth kind of in keeping with the discipleship with Naomi. I think it's pretty interesting because I like the Bible kind of creates this parallel. It's like, what do you do in a hopeless situation or when you don't know the next right thing to do? And in chapter one, Naomi heard in the fields that God had visited his people by providing them food. So she sets out for Bethlehem. And now we see Ruth here at the beginning of chapter two, maybe not knowing what to do. And so she says, let me go out to the fields and pick up the leftover grain behind anyone whose eyes I find favor. So we see her kind of following Naomi's steps. Like when you don't know what to do, you're going to look for God and you're going to listen for where he's at work or you're going to find where he's at work and you're going to go there. And she happens to find herself, just so happens to find herself strategically in the field of Boaz, who is uh, a near relative. And his character instantly starts playing into action um, where he's looking out for her, right? He um, he recognizes that she's he's she's coming along behind after the uh, the people have been gleaning in the field. She's working with what she's able to, and it actually activates some extra provision. He tells them to start pulling out bundles. He's telling them, don't shame her if she's going somewhere that she shouldn't. And so we see him not only uh, providing above and beyond, but we actually show him offering mercy in the mm. process. Like, hey, you're you're a Moabite. You're new to this land. But I'm, and even kind of says this blessing over her um, where she's come under the wings of God, the God of Israel, under whose wings you have come to take refuge. And so she, he's kind of like welcoming her into this new land, into this new leadership from the Lord, and uh, just doesn't waste a minute to start blessing and taking care of her. Mm. I think it's probably out of reverence for who Naomi was, like recognizing she was also a relative of his, but probably having compassion on these women who have been through a lot of loss. It's good. It, it's it's a very noteworthy character, and he'll continue to prove just how esteemed his character is. We move into chapter three, the engagement, quote unquote, or the famous threshing floor scene where you can read this and think it's pretty scandalous that she's going to realize that Boaz is an eligible bachelor. She could marry him, and Naomi encourages Ruth to go lay down at his feet and uncover them. And essentially she's saying, hey, I'm available. I'm eligible. Marry me, which is 
a little bit unconventional. You can draw some um, inappropriate conclusions there if you don't understand the context. Um, But ultimately, we find ourselves in chapter four, in which we see that they're going to get married. There's some complications in there. There's another guy involved, and they go back and forth a little bit. But in the end, Boaz gets the girl. And and there are some implications here when it comes to the lineage of of Christ. So I'm going to let you speak to that, Kimberly, as we close. Yeah. So, um, you know, the the book starts off with grief where Naomi has lost her husband and her two sons. And so what's interesting is, you know, we we aren't going to assume that the Lord caused something, but we see him actually bringing about a full redemption where if if one of those people had survived, we don't know that Naomi and therefore Ruth would have actually now been grafted into the lineage of Christ, mm. which, you know, Salmon, the father of Boaz, Boaz, the father of Obed, and Obed, the father of Jesse, and Jesse was the father of King David, right? So you're seeing these two women get grafted into now the story in the line of Christ. And, uh, and Boaz specifically, when just how he goes about not only choosing to marry Ruth, I think it's really interesting where, you know, she'd been married 10 years and uh, very likely was barren. I feel like the the Bible even confirms that where it talks at the end of chapter four, that the Lord gave her the ability to have a child. Mm. And, you know, Boaz, yeah, because I don't, what, and what's interesting is Boaz is getting parallel to the other possible kinsman redeemer who had the first right. Mm-hmm. And what's interesting is you'll notice specifically that the reason that man wouldn't redeem it, it's talking about it in a verse, I believe it's verse six. And it says, he says, I cannot redeem it because I might endanger my own estate. Mm-hmm. Or either in verses say, other versions say impair. And so it's interesting is you see Boaz acquiring a wife that is kind of a proven track record of being barren and not worried about his line continuing parallel to this other man who had the first option, whose first thought after this opportunity presented himself is that he couldn't do it to possibly impair his own estate. Mm, it was selfish. Yeah. So we see this really, which again, Boaz is like the Christ figure. So we see him all throughout this process, not only showing compassion and mercy and extending extra provision, but actually even in the big moment of redemption of choosing to marry her not being concerned um, about either her barrenness or how it might impair his own estate. Mm. It's a great, it's a great picture of Christ, which is encouraging as we close because again, Ruth takes place on the backdrop of judges. When we think that all hope is lost for Israel, everything's going downhill. God is at work behind the scenes through Ruth and Boaz and Naomi. And and you wouldn't know it if we didn't have the scriptures recorded here. So it's a special, a special book and a definitely a hope-filled one. Kimberly, thank you for being here and for sharing. Yes, thanks for having me. You're welcome. And as always, I'm so glad we're all on this journey reading the Bible together. The Join the Journey podcast is produced by Watermark Community Church in Dallas, Texas. You can learn more about Watermark by connecting with us on social media. Just search Watermark Church, all one word. And to read along with us, visit jointhejourney.com. And thank you guys for listening.